Take your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 2. 1 Peter chapter number 2, and try our best this morning to, to give you what the Lord's laid on my heart. I told you just the other day that, um, or, or last Sunday rather, that, that there's a, a series kind of working in my heart, and this is, I guess, the second part of that series and probably should um, probably should be should go a different direction, but instead of preaching um, the second part, which I've already preached um, several years ago, um, one that I had put together as I was dealing with some of these things. Um, I think I'm going to use that message as the introduction and then get into this message today. But I want to preach on this thought, guidance for growth, out of First Peter chapter number 2, and we'll read verse number 1 down through verse number 3. Now, if you'll help me and not get carried away with verse number 3, I'll try my best to preach on verse 1 and 2, all right? Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, there's a, there's a, um, there's a bookend on this thing. There is the wherefore. And he's talking about chapter 1. He's dealing with the things that he's just spoke about. And I don't have time to recap chapter number 1. <laughs> but then he deals with verse number 3. And he kind of encapsulate 1, 2, and 3 in that one phrase. And he says, if you'll desire the sincere milk of the word. He says, if you'll, if you'll taste and see then you will have a desire of that sincere milk of the Word. Okay, so he says, because of these things in chapter number 1, and because you've tasted it in verse number 3, he said, you'll have a desire for it in verse number 2. And so, uh, if, you'll, if you'll help me today, we're going to pray. I, I, for whatever reason, on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and on Wednesday night, I, I didn't feel led to pray before I preached. And that was weird. I, I've always, I've been preaching for 30 years, and I always read my scripture and pray. And it felt weird. And so, I'm going to get beyond that weirdness today, and I'm going to pray. So, let's bow our heads and ask the Lord to be with us and help us. Father, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, that... We're not saved by feeling, but we, we feel that salvation. We feel that we are saved. And God, I'm thankful for that today. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord, that I can feel that spirit that dwells within me. Lord, I feel that spirit and I can feel you moving within, within me. And God, I'm thankful for that today. Lord, I'm moved by the Word of God. Lord, I can feel the breath of God as you, as you speak to me from reading the Word of God. And I'm praising you for that today. 
Lord, we ask You now that You would help us as we read the Word of God and we, we preach God's Word. We pray, Lord, that You would help us, Lord, to do it. And Lord, and not, not in our own might. Lord, not in our own power, but I pray that you hide me as the man behind the cross. And I pray, Lord, that you would have your will and your way. God, give us the strength that only comes from you to preach your word. Father, we pray you'll bless your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we try to preach on this thought, the guidance for growth. And I told you four years ago, and and four years ago, believe it or not, that put us right in, in COVID. And so sometime, I believe it was around September of 2020, and that was right after, if you remember, that was when 22 of us got COVID. Can somebody say, oh my? That was when 22 of us got COVID. That was within days of our previous pastor passing away. And so that was a time that that even if I were to preach this again, you wouldn't remember it. Because I don't even remember, and I'm the one that studied it and wrote it out and preached it, and I don't even remember it. But I want to use that message not in its entirety, but just to just to kind of recap something that we said last week. But but then also to kind of preface, or as Brother Kurt would say, to preface the message today. And um, some of y'all don't get that, but. Me and Brother Kurtz had a deep discussion about the use of that, and neither one of us know which one's right. <laughs> Say amen, Brother Kurt. We done talked to the English teacher back there, and I don't think she knows either. She went to Bryan College, so I don't think they taught her right. But um, anyway, we, we're dealing with growth, and there's some things about growth that we need to understand. We dealt with this a little bit last Sunday, and one of those is that there are some indications of infancy. Now, we look and we see uh, um, Luke, and, and, and he's an infant. I don't know exactly where on the, the chart um, uh, Jasper would fall. I don't think he's an infant. Maybe he's a toddler now, I guess. And so he just turned two just the other day. And, and then Danny, he's, how old is Danny? He's two now. And so as far as infancy and then toddler, there there has to there has to be growth before you get from one to the other. But there are some indications of infancy. And one of those, spiritually speaking, is that spiritual infant, they focus on themselves. You can be playing with that infant one minute, but if he gets a hunger pain, he don't care about smiling. He don't care about how goofy you look. He don't care about the fun he just had. He's focusing on the pain that he's experiencing right then. And so he's focusing on himself or herself. A spiritual infant is concerned with argument rather than action. That infant, they don't even care what the solution is. They just want you to know that they're mad. They want you to know that there is a problem. A spiritual infant, they don't care what the solution is. They just want to run their mouth and they want to argue and they want to fuss and fight because they want to be heard. 
And I'll say this, you you look at this one, you look at any of these children, uh, and, and, and I know you're not going to remember yourself, but maybe as an adult, if you ever think about when you've been so upset and you've been so focused on yourself and your own anger and your own insolence, when you could not think clearly and the solution was given, you could not see that solution clearly. That's an indication of spiritual immaturity. And so that little baby, that infant, if you will, they are screaming, they're squalling, and you're, you're saying, honey, the bottle's warming up. They don't care. You say, honey, I've got it. You're all, we're almost home. Leah, driving from my house to your house. I'm sure driving. We're almost home. Don't have a breakdown. We're all, he does not care, does he? <laughs> How do you say that in sign language, Mr. Nisha? I don't know. It's an, it's a, it's an indication Spiritual infancy. Another indication is that they look to people, a spiritual infancy, is they look to people instead of to God. So, so in the physical, they look to people, okay? They look to, all right, is this person gonna help me or is this person gonna help me? Rather, what is the solution? Who has got the food? Who has got the diaper? Who has got, who has got the, the, the solution? And what we do as spiritual infants is we look to other people instead of looking to God who is and who has the solution. So we, we remember that there are these indications of infancy, but now what do we need to know to grow into maturity, and the, this is where I want to deal with today. There are some things that we need to forsake. We look at our text in verse number 1. It says again, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies or and hypocrisies and envyings and all evil speaking. So, number one, there are some things that we need to forsake. First of all, let's look. It says, wherefore, laying aside. Uh, A.T. Robertson says that this, this phrase, laying aside, it is to put away, either to cleanse defilement or to put off clothing. And he goes on, he says, either suits here because of the new birth and the demands of the new life. And so what Mr. Robertson said was this laying aside is to put away something that has hindered you or to put off some clothes that have defiled you. Uh, there's, there's been times that uh, maybe outside working or, or what have you where you know you've got a deadline to meet where you've got to clean up and you've got to go meet someone, whether it's coming to church or, or meet your wife or someone uh, for a a dinner date or some outing and you've got to be dressed just right and look just right uh, but yet you've been out working and you've got dirt under your fingernails and you've got dirt on your head and you've got, I mean, you just look a mess and and so what do you have to do? How you can't show up the way that you are. You've got to take some things off and you've got to clean up and what the, the writer is saying here is there needs to be some putting away 
away of those things that have made you filthy, some things that have defiled you. He says, if you want to go to the table and get something for God, you've got to lay aside those things that have defiled you in God's sight today. And so if we're going to grow for God, we need to forsake some things. One writer said, those who would wear the white robe of regeneration must, must lay aside the filthy garments of the old carnal life. And I'm afraid that what we do is, um, somebody, I think it was Ashton told me that he had, uh, he got an overcoat for Christmas. And uh, and so this this kind of made me think uh, uh, the overcoat typically is is worn over a suit. It's worn over a, uh, a a set of clothing. But I think what we try to do is we try to stay in our as spiritual uh, carnal or immature believers. Uh, we go about our lives day in and day out in our spiritual immaturity, and we do not lay aside. We do not put off those things that we should be. And what we do is we. Leave those dirty clothes on, those dirty garments on, and then we try. When we go to God, is is we try to, as an overcoat over a suit of clothing, we try to put that robe of righteousness on top of those things. But rather, all the wickedness and the vileness is underneath it. But God demands that we take all of those things off, so that we can freely wear that robe of righteousness. The first step you must take in spiritual growth is to put away or to put off the infantile thing in your life. Those things that remind you of being an infant. Those things, now I understand Paul says something, uh, in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. He says that I've tried to feed you with meat and I couldn't, and I'm paraphrasing. He said, I've tried to feed you with meat and I couldn't because you've desired the milk of the word. And Peter is telling us to desire the milk of the word. Paul is, is preaching to mature Christians and Peter is preaching to infant Christians and, and both of them are right. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, both of them are telling the, the, the Christians in their in their uh, particular periods of growth, what they need to do, and so today we're we're telling you, uh, if we were all thirty years old in the Lord, it'd be wonderful. Uh, but even a thirty-year-old Christian uh, may deal with carnality and infantile thoughts in their spiritual lives, and so we must, if we're going to grow for God this year, next year in our lives period, we must take those infantile thoughts and throw them to the wayside and start thinking, start digging deeper for God. In our childhood, there were things that we would become attached to. Maybe uh, for the little girl, it might be a favorite doll or maybe a favorite toy. For the boy, maybe a favorite blanket or maybe a tractor. Uh, but as they grow older, they begin to put away those things. They, they, this starts very young. You, you think about that little baby that little baby has its, its, its pacifier and then that parent has to break the baby from its pacifier. He has to part with it. Then they, they have that bottle and then they part from the bottle and they get that, they introduce that sippy cup. And then they part from the sippy cup and they, they graduate up to a larger cup. Before long, those things that are for infants, they're gone. They're not even a part. They're, they're not, they're just a memory. In our spiritual life, those those infantile things ought to be memories. 
We should not be depending on them. Why? Because we are maturing. It's a natural course to put away the childish things in our lives. It would be odd for you and I to see a grown man with a pacifier in his mouth today. I've seen some that probably would benefit with one. But it would be odd because it's unnatural. It's something that he should be, he should be above. He should be more mature than that. Paul had this to say in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, Brother Samuel, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Brother Samuel spoke about being a man today in Sunday school. Peter agreed. He says, you need to put away all malice. This is that malignity, the depravity or wickedness, all guile. He, this is to decoy, to trick, to bait, or to, to, to deceive. We, we hunt and we have, we have feeders out there and we, 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 uh, the duck hunters, they have deke, they have fake ducks sitting in the water. They have decoys. What they're doing is they are beguiling the deer and the duck. They are laying traps. And he says, you need to lay aside the malice and the guile, the hypocrisies. This is acting under a feigned part or deceiving someone. Laying aside envies. This is the ill will, the jealousy or spite. Evil speakings, defaming someone, backbiting or gossiping. These are things, if I could say, if you didn't know this, these are things that should have no part in a child of God's life. Young, old, man, woman, left, right, up, down, don't matter, front or back, it does not matter. These are things that elementary should never be in a child of God's life. He's dealing with this as a, as a little child. And he says, as a little child desiring the sincere milk, this is that little infant baby. He said, you need to get it away. Get it away from you. Number two, there are some things that we need as food. Look with me in verse number 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. So, we're going to have to have proper food for proper growth. We can all go down to McDonald's. We can all go down to to the handy store, to the convenience store, to the gas station, whatever you proper people call them. Handy store or something I call it a gas station down in Florida. Okay? You can go down to the gas and go to the Circle K and you can get you a handful of candy bars and that'll keep you from being hungry, but it ain't going to be good for you. And I've done that all my life. Somebody help me right there. We need proper food for proper growth. There's an old saying, particularly in the programming thing. I, I learned this dealing with a lot of IT people at Kelsam when we worked there. And they would say, garbage in, garbage out. I'd call them and I'd say, look at here. My, I'd say, Matt, my computer is running slow. He said, you've been on the Internet a lot? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, well, have you downloaded anything? I'm like, yeah. And he said, garbage in, garbage out. I'm like, what are you talking about? I ain't downloaded garbage. He said, you, you've downloaded stuff that this computer didn't need on it, and now it's giving you exactly what you've downloaded, garbage. 
The reason that the computer is acting slow is because you've overloaded it with garbage. The reason your life is is the way it is today is not because of God. It's because of what you put in it. We the, the listen. This ain't no. This ain't no. This, I, the reason my body is the shape that it's in, which is not on any chart. I said, what kind of body shape you got? It's one of them wonky fruits that don't look. It's a little like one of them fruits that you brought. One of them, you know, one of them squashes got bumps all over it. That's what my body looks like. It's not a pear. It's not an apple. Something else. The reason is because of what I've put in my body. Spiritually speaking, though, there's been a lot of junk go into my body. And I would dare say that would apply to all of us. We're putting things into our body that need not be there. And the result is infancy in our spiritual life. What are you feeding on? If you're feeding on spiritual junk food, then you're going to get spiritually fat and lazy. If if you're eating nothing and you say, well, well, I'm just going to, you can call it, well, you can call it starving yourself or you can call it fasting. If you want to be healthy, you may call it fasting. If you want to be super spiritual, you call it fasting. If you look in the mirror one morning and you say, I'm fat, then 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 you call it and, and, and you want to try to be right with God, you say, I'm going to fast. But what you're doing is you're starving yourself. And spiritually, you can get up and you can say, well, I'm just not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to not do nothing for God. What you're doing is you're starving yourselves. And as a result, what's going to happen is you're going to get spiritually fatigued. And you're going to find yourself irritable with everything that has to do with God. If you've ever fasted, you understand what I'm talking about. If you've ever fasted for any period of time, you will find yourself, your body starts firing in ways that it's not fired in a long time. And you get mad. Somebody licks the stamp the wrong way and you get mad. Somebody doesn't, looks at you the wrong way and you're fighting. It's because spiritual immaturity. How we pass our time will affect us spiritually. The games that we play, the books that we read, the movies that we watch, the music that we listen to, the people that we hang out with. Little by little, these things will desensitize us to the wrong that we're surrounding ourselves by. Now, I need you to listen to me. We begin to overlook the sin then we begin to condone the sin. Then we begin to be supportive of the sin. And before long, we'll be taking part in the sin. I've, I've spent months, I've spent months toiling over Genesis chapter number 19. You go read it. I've been trying to write something for two years now. And I got to the chapter where 
Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom, and my heart broke. But I got to chapter number 19, and I had to put my pen down, and for almost a year I could not write a single word because my heart was pricked. Because it's not anything in my own life, Brother Lee, but it's because I've seen so many people in my own family, so many people in so many churches that I know of, that they did something so innocent as pitching their tent towards Sodom. Not necessarily the sin of sodomy, but towards sin. And they began to look upon it day in and day out. Then they began to condone it. Then they began to, to defend it. Then they began to take part in it. And so when I say this, it's not something that I just I wrote down because I thought it might stir someone's feathers. or or No, it's because it's been an experience and God has pricked my heart. And, and I firmly believe that the re... Now, understand that Lot was called just and he was called righteous in Peter. Peter called him a, a just man and a righteous man. Even though he failed. Even though he lost his two daughters, even though he possibly lost two other daughters that died in Sodom, even though his wife turned around and turned to a pillar of salt, even though he lost his testimony, Peter called him just and righteous. But I wonder what his testimony could have been if he'd stayed with Abraham. If he looked at the well-watered plains of Sodom, And said, you know what, uncle? I'll just go with you. I don't need that as bad as I thought I did. So, what are you feeding on? And then this is the last point of number two. The Word of God tells us how to grow. He says in verse number two, As newborn babes desire... The sincere milk of the word. Now, I need to clarify this. This is not telling us, he's not saying just like newborn babes desire the sincere milk. But he says, just as newborn babes do, so do you. He says, you look around and you see newborn babes desiring the, the sincere, the milk. He said, that's what you need to do. You need to have. But he says, desire the sincere milk of the word. So this word desire, it means to long for it earnestly or to have an affectionate love for it. How many of us have an affectionate love, a a strong desire, a strong, earnest desire for the word of God? He says, desire the sincere milk of the word. The word sincere is unadulterated. It is the pure word of God. Now, I'll say this. This is, at Peter's time, as he is writing this, he is talking about the whole word of God as he had it then. As far as we know, as history tells us, as we can go back and we can look, uh, the, 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 the whole Old Testament was complete. They had at least Matthew's gospel. 
Now, they may not have circulated it enough, but at least Jerusalem had Matthew's gospel. James had already written his letter. Paul had already written First and Second Corinthians. He had already written the letters to the churches of Galatia and First and Second Thessalonians, the church of Thessalonica. And so Peter now is saying that the Word of God is not just Genesis to Malachi, but now you also have Matthew that accounts or recounts the life of Christ. And you have to understand that that this is some 60 years, well, 30 years after Christ has gone. So this is written even to a new generation of believers some that did not physically, personally know Christ. So see, this is a second generation of believers. And so they already have Matthew's recounting of Christ's life and his death. So that's beneficial. But they also have the words of Paul and of James that are teaching them how to grow. And Paul says, you need to have a desire, a strong, a love, an affectionate love for the word of God. You and I need to have a strong, affectionate, earnest longing for the Word of God. That's, that's how, or what, rather, we need for food. But then, if we can just turn over quickly to verse number 21. Verse 21, it says, For even hereunto, through 24, For even hereunto were ye called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but uh, committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who in his own self bare our sins in his own body on, a tr- on the tree. That we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. So, lastly, number three, there is someone we must follow. I think we could say, yes, it'd be safe to follow the example of Peter, even though Peter faltered at the beginning. Yes, we could follow the example of Paul, even though Paul was a murderer at the beginning. We could we could follow James, even though I pointed out on Wednesday night that James possibly was an unbeliever until after Christ rose from the dead. But the Scripture says that we have an example So we have someone that we must follow, and that is Jesus Christ. Most of us have had spiritual heroes, or even physical heroes. But sadly, we've seen most of them fall. We've placed them on a pedestal, and we've watched them fall. There's nothing wrong with giving honor to to some of these men. Most of my, if I could say the word heroes, most of them are preachers. I have a handful of women that are heroes, and one of them at the top of that list is sitting on the front pew, and that's my wife. But of those men, many of them, if not all of them, are preachers. And I could call some names of some men that you may remember that have fallen, that were my heroes. 
And again, there's nothing wrong with making these men heroes and putting them on a pedestal. But, but know this, that there may come a day when they will fall. But not one time. For 31 years, I've been saved. And there may be some in here today that's been saved a lot longer than that. But for 31 years, I trusted Christ. And not one time has He ever failed me, but I've never seen Him fall from the place of honor that God has placed Him in. You see, whether I place Him in that place of honor or not, God's already placed Him there. And He's never failed. He's never fallen. Jesus Christ, the Scripture says that He suffered for us. He was an example. He says that we should follow in His steps. Why? This is in these verses, 21 through 24. He did no sin. There was no guile found in Him. He did not fight back. He did not threaten. He gave himself to God. That's what he says. He, gave, he giveth himself to him that judgeth righteously or committed himself. He gave himself to God. He bore our sins in his own body so that we that were dead to and in sin could live unto or for the purpose of righteousness. And by his stripes, and with every stripe on his body, we could be healed. Who else could make that claim, Brother Stanley? Not us. No one in this building, no one outside these four walls could ever make that claim. But I'm glad that Christ can. So the question was today is, or not the question, but the thought was guidance for growth. And I said that there's some things that we need to forsake. There's some things we need as food. But then there's someone we must follow. So just quickly, as we come with the song of invitation this morning, verse number three says this, that he uses the word taste. And so I ask you, how can you develop a desire for this sincere milk of the word? You have to start reading it. You have to taste it. I can remember many years ago, many, many years ago, I despised pecan pie. It just looked nasty. I, oh goodness, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to taste it. And you have all those adults saying, "Well, you'll never know what you're missing until you taste it." And then one day, out of the blue, I tasted it, and have mercy—one of the best things that I've ever tasted. And I don't know who came up with the idea to only have pecan pie around Thanksgiving and Christmas, but. I make a motion that we shoot them in the forehead. But the reason that I like it now is because I tasted it. As I was writing this down, I thought about Rachel's cheesecake. Anybody ever had Rachel's cheesecake? Say amen, raise your hand, shout hallelujah, throw a baby in there. I love cheesecake. But the cheesecake that I grew up on came from a box down the grocery store aisle. It was good. I've had, I've had professionally made cheesecake, and it was good. But my hand up, 
the best cheesecake. This is being recorded, by the way. The best cheesecake that I've ever tasted was Rachel Dewberry's cheesecake. I don't know what you put in it. But I would not have known that unless I tasted it. You see, you don't understand, talking about spiritual infancy, you don't understand what you're missing out of the Word of God unless you taste it. If your Bible reading is like this, if your Bible reading is like this, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and see now and know. You might not get anything out of that. If you start in Ecclesiastes and old boy says, all is vain, you're liable not to get nothing out of it. If you get over there in Matthew chapter, what is it, chapter 1, chapter number 2, and he begat who, and him begot them, and them begot those, you're liable to close it and say, well, it wasn't worth it today. Maybe you do it two days in a row, and you get over there to 1 Kings, and then the next day you get in 1 Chronicles, and you read the exact same thing. Because 1 and 2 Kings is the tale of the kings. First and Second Chronicles is the chronicling of the kings. And so it may be the same thing. And you say, well, this is just repetitive. There's no sense in me doing it. But if you'll continue reading, you'll taste and you'll see. What does the Scripture say? If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The psalmist says, I believe it's Psalm 34, verse 8. Let me just read over there, because I don't want to mess that one up. Thirty-four. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. You see, you can taste the goodness of God But you can also taste in God's Word, you can taste the grace of God. So how how do you get started in this growth? It's going to start with the Word of God. It's going to start with the time of prayer. You don't have to get here and start hacking in prayer. You've got to start talking to God and let Him talk to you through the Scriptures. Taste. If you taste the sweetness of God's Word, nothing will ever take its place. I grew up eating pancakes, things of that sort, with cane syrup. Never knew what pancake syrup was until I moved to Tennessee. Never knew. And that's all they ate. It was horrible, Brother Lee. So I had to search in the grocery stores until I found cane syrup. And the closest I could find, the closest thing I could find was dark Cairo syrup. And it too wasn't great. You see, there was, there was a taste that could not be satisfied. Nothing is quite like the Word of God. You must make it a priority. You ask any mama, any daddy that's ever had a little baby, 
And you'll know that that little baby will make feeding time a priority for everybody in the house. There is no question. Little brother will make it a priority for big brother, big sister, mama, daddy, aunt, uncle. It does not matter. When the baby is hungry, everybody's going to know it. That ought to be the way our Bible reading is. We need to say it's time. You you may not have time for devotions. But you need to take some time. Read just a little bit. Pray just a little bit. Start today. You don't have to read a chapter. That'd be good. That'd be a good goal. Read you just a few verses. Start just a little bit. Read just a little bit. If you're not doing anything, then guess what? You're a spiritual infant. And you always will be until you start to grow. But stay